Hey everybody, we are here today with a drummer and musician here in town, Jerry Riccardi. How you doing? Good to meet you. Bob. Good to meet me? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, well, Great to I, be here, man. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, so I, I met you uh, from Greg, maybe. I met Greg or Scott. And yeah. they, they brought brought you into the band here, you know, right. a year ago or whenever that was, you know, and uh, right. I think we we've we've all we, in... it actually met uh, before back uh, at little uh, Sam uh, Fish's jam. Oh right, yeah, on the Mondays, yeah, sure. Waldo, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's times. that's right, that's we right. Talked, I forgot about that. And uh, I remember get, I got your card mm -hmm. and uh, checked out your website. And yeah, stuff yeah. Back then. <laughs> but uh, and that would have been. That would have been five years ago at least, right? Four, five, six years ago, I'm seven, thinking something. I'm like 2010. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, maybe seven, that would be eight, eight, seven, eight years ago, yeah. Back when, before she, you know, became... Yeah, kind of blew up, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a touring artist. Right. Too. I thought and you were going to say 20 years ago. <laughs> it's, that's, uh, yeah, like 2009 over there at the Waldo Bar. Yeah, wow. That's where I first remember meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time. So definitely our our yeah. band that we're both in. I want to talk about that in a minute. But uh, for yeah. those for those who don't know who don't know you, give a kind of two three minute thing of just you know yeah who you are, what you've done, <laughs> aspirations, desires in the music uh, uh, focus. Uh, got into drumming back when I was a a, a child. You know, a baby. I always had the drum set. Uh, for Christmas, and I've had two or three of them over the years until I was old enough to take some lessons, mm -hmm. and uh, I must have been about seven, I think. Uh, started doing the drum lesson thing on the snare drum, and uh, did that for a couple of, about a year or so, learned the rudiments. Didn't really enjoy it as much as uh, playing the kit, you mm -hmm. know? <laughs> so, um, you know, I uh, uh, spent some time uh, doing a little bit of uh, instructional uh, drumming, uh, but got away from it because I was really wanting to learn the, dr the, the drum kit. Mm -hmm. And uh, my mom, being uh, such a, uh, an accommodating mother, <laughs> she found a couple of drummers. I... I uh, Ended up taking a few lessons from Tom Plaster, mm. Bree's dad, mm, yeah, uh, and uh, he was a, a symphonic drummer. So it was uh, not the drum set again; it was uh, the snare drum. And so I I met him, took a couple lessons, and said, "Man, you know, I really want to learn the drum kit." And long story short, Mom got me hooked up with a uh, 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 Tommy Ruskin. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was nine mm -hmm. or so. Showed me the kit, uh, taught me the uh, the beats and the variations on the on the uh, on the drum set, and and from there I just got completely enthralled in in uh, in playing. Uh, you know, anything I could get my hands on, the Beatles and all that. Mm -hmm. so it, but what happened is I became an ear drummer. <laughs> mm -hmm. I started playing by ear. And uh, uh, so I didn't pursue drums uh, in a, a 
school sense. I took some lessons from, from Tommy, and he taught me so much in like a couple of years. You know, by the time I was 13, I remember uh, Tommy took off with Marilyn May, and uh, I couldn't take any more lessons from Tommy. He was teaching me so much. Uh, what did he teach you? Basically, uh, you know, the proper stance on the kit, the, how I should hold my hands, in uh, uh, teaching me all the, uh, the drum beats and, mm -hmm. and the different styles, uh, it, it gave me the sense of, okay, here's what I'm hearing. What, what it actually is that? That's, that's bossa nova, that's this, all, everything Belgian. Mm -hmm. the, you know all the different beats, but but then again I was I, I was listening to him. I wasn't really reading. Yeah, sure. Like I should have been. I'm sure. Yeah. And Tommy was so cool about that. He put a record on for me mm -hmm. and, and teach me some of the stuff. So I was playing to a lot of records and doing my lessons with him. Uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of. Uh, getting a little more in detail here than you want. No, <laughs> that's great. Because Tom, Tommy's, I mean, he was super well-known in town. I mean, for years, you know, and, and his son we've interviewed on the show. Brian's fantastic, you know, and, uh, yeah. and uh, but he's he's really well-known in town and extremely right. well-respected, you and, know. So I kind of asked you, because... To me, he was, he was way up here, because mm -hmm. I was only a child at the time. Mm -hmm. And this was a friend of my parents, and mm -hmm. played it... Um, you know, different places around town, the Playboy Club for mm -hmm. years, and my parents would go to that. Yeah, wow. That was the coolest yeah. thing yeah. in the world to me. That was a Would that have been like 80s, 80s, 70s? 70s. 70s, yeah. Wow. yeah late 60s. Yeah, wow. And uh, early 70s, because I think I started playing with Tommy in like 1970. Yeah, wow. You know, 70, 71, 72. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he... Uh, went with Marilyn, I think, in 73 or 4, mm -hmm. uh, and he could not teach anymore. He had, he had a gig. Sure. And, okay, that, that's fine. I was busy in school and doing different things. Uh, I never went back to, to uh, learning drums uh, uh, in an uh, academic yeah, setting. Yeah. I just played everything. I took everything I had learned up to that point, but then just played records sure. all the time. Yeah. For many years and uh, stayed with it mm -hmm. you know, always had a kid at home mm -hmm. uh, and ended up meeting other human beings that could accompany me mm -hmm. <laughs> once we were in high school yeah it, it took many years until I could uh, you know actually uh, you know hey do you know this do you know that because I had a huge library of stuff all yeah. in my brain mm -hmm. and um, you know, all the records I could get my hands on. So, you know, I'm really, I don't want to say I'm a, a you know, a, a, a fully educated mm -hmm. drummer. I, I played by ear a lot. Yeah. And I can't say I'm self-taught. You're right. It's, you're both. So I, you're right. I attribute yeah. being shown some things, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, my ears really helped uh, quite a bit. So, you know, I'm one of those cats that can, can you know, just hear things and mm -hmm. and interpret. I'm an, I'm a a drum music interpreter. Yeah, I guess you yeah, can say. that's a cool way to put it. Yeah, the so you said something interesting there, and I think I think you and I are very similar in the sense that um, when 
when I hear when I hear you with our band, um, it sounds extremely convincing country. You know, I mean, you're, you're a good country drummer. You know what to do when you're hearing country. Okay. But then I'll hear that you're jamming with on with Andre and them and tearing up this like bossa nova and this jazz kind of stuff. And I feel like I'm a similar where, where I kind of can, you know, kind of handle a lot of different kinds of music. And I wasn't going to ask you this, but how do you, how do you like that playing like so many different kinds of genres? Is that really fun for you or like that, that, um, that's what sets me into the the freedom mode. Mm. You know, it's music, um, it, recorded music, I should say, you know, everything I've heard, you know, I just, I want to embrace it all. Mm-hmm. I, I just literally want to embrace it all because uh, at an earlier age, I found out that I could, could do that. You know, I didn't have a lot of walls built up mm-hmm. from um, being uh, from in an academic world. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there's, there's, nothing I'm not wanting to put down that world because mm. I regret not yeah. being able to read mm. sheet. <laughs> you know, I can't sit down with a big band. Yeah. yeah. E- even though I wish I, I could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and totally envy those guys. Yeah. You know? I yeah. Just, I'm in awe uh, at you guys mm-hmm. that, that can can read and um, but but I guess my my gift is to to embrace a piece uh, from its from just its textures and its sounds and, mm-hmm. and so it makes me feel like uh, I have a control over over music it gives you uh, a a confidence mm-hmm. I guess I, I feel very confident when I approach a piece of music that has drum kit on it mm-hmm. I feel like I've been there before yeah I've yeah. been inside of it mm-hmm. uh, Country music, um, the the jazz uh, world is is just as much. I, I just I love mm-hmm. to, to get into a piece, but but then bring it back where the artist wanted to. I I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. That's a that's a good question. Um, it it's uh, it's it's. Uh, intoxicating mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I know what you we'll mean yeah yeah the yeah and so I mean I just that was one of the things that um so so like kind of switching gears uh, the, that was that was one thing that I was definitely impressed by when I when I especially when I got to like play with you like multiple times like in our band is your your ability to kind of adjust and and to be able to handle all these different kinds of songs was cool and on, awesome. a, on a drummer yeah on, on a drummer make you feel comfortable with what I'm doing yeah yeah and and that that was another kind of thing that maybe you're getting at is that you you're an easy person to play at because one of my annoyances with drummers in general is people playing like too much right and and there's too much in a lot of sense too 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 much volume is one definitely too many fills right fill 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 like every four bars somebody's doing a fill you know and I'm like Mm -hmm. You know, reel it back, buddy. You know, and uh, and then also just uh, just playing kind of just playing too much in in a general sense, and that's something that you don't do. I, I can say with you know certainty that that's one thing that is really awesome is that you know 
that, that's one thing that I know that I've talked about a lot on the show is that, is that I try to like only put myself in spots that I'm needed. You know, mm-hmm. I know you'll, you'll watch mm-hmm. me. I'm standing there during somebody else's solo. I'm literally playing nothing, you know. And on a drummer's sense of doing that idea of only playing as much as the music needs. Yes. And uh, that's a real talent, you know. That some You go out to open jams and some guys don't know that, <laughs> you know. And, and that's something that I, I would want to compliment you on because that's one thing that makes you really easy to play is that you're not playing over everybody and you know you know what this song needs and you do it. Um do you think well, that that's a problem with some drummers that people don't think that way, or? Well, I was just gonna say a lot of guys, it, and it, I think it's a, a an effect of the the um, amount of uh, experience that they've had. Mm. Um, well, if opportunities—that's what I want to say. They they don't get a lot of opportunities to get out there and play, so they want to pull out that toolkit. And they pull all of them out here. And they do the polys, and the, they do, um, they want to show everybody what they got, mm-hmm. or they feel that they need to do that. You mm-hmm. know, um, uh, uh, I didn't turn my phone off. Mm-hmm. We'll do that after this question. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, you could edit. <laughs> but uh, they, they have a need to, um, uh, to show what they've got. You know, um, they don't get to get out and jam and play as much. Uh, in my case, uh, if I'm looking for what the artist originally would wanted wanted to have on that record, you mm-hmm. know, and what that particular arrangement or piece, uh, I'm trying to think of what what the writer uh, was thinking. And, and sometimes, you know, they, we want a little bit more, more pizzazz on the kit, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, not really all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But, uh, the, there's a lot of drummers out there that, that, uh, you know, they want to show what they've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course they don't understand dynamics and that's a mm-hmm. experience thing, I think, mm-hmm. uh, but then back to my ears, you know, I hear the piece and and uh, just dive into it and become part of it, and and let that uh, guide me through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I guess I could read a piece of uh, sheet music and and see the you know portamente or the, you know You're right and the, all the little the nuances that is soft. already a. Uh, already written in there for you instead of you yeah. deciding. Or you can look ahead and go, okay, we got soft coming up. Yeah. I just kind of engulf it. I, I get into mm-hmm. the piece and, and uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe that's the actor. I'm, I'm, I'm an actor. I'm mm-hmm. trying to to play the part of, mm-hmm. of the piece. Uh, like in our case with the with the country music, you know, it's it's easy to feel the focus or the um, uh, the tone. That's that's the word. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a harsh country song, right, and it's about a drinking guy, or yeah. if it's a beautiful piece, right, that uh, you know, like Scotty's. Uh, 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 he's a cowboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That mm-hmm. one. I was I was yeah. thinking of uh, the one about. Um, uh, 
this time. That's it. Yeah, this time. Yeah, that, yeah. That's a song. song that Scott that, Scott Lane wrote. That's yeah. a nice, pretty, mm -hmm. pretty. So you know, I just, I guess, I got a feel for the, the tone of the song. You know, yeah. The way it should, as far as, uh, uh, dynamics go. Sure. Uh, a lot of guys don't. You know, I, they, they, uh, they just want to sit there and, and kick out <laughs> what they can. Mm -hmm. But. Uh, but you know, it, it's probably a part of their opportunity to play. They don't get to get out and play a, mm -hmm. a lot, so you know, this is their chance to, uh, to to shine. So show what they can do. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's what I think most of the time mm -hmm. is the situation. I'm real. Uh, here's another thing. I I'm real down on show-offs mm -hmm. <laughs> really and that's kind of where i'm getting at yeah <laughs> is, is, is what what i was meaning maybe meaning to say is that um is that they that... you so i know that that when i try to look at a piece you know it, there's different mentalities there's a me 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 show off right and then there's a if our group looks good then i look good you know, if, if, if I if I play only when I need and everybody else is playing only when we need, the song's gonna sound really good. You know, and and when we're all doing our role, then yes. everything is great. And then but then when this guy, you know, is filling every four seconds and is playing, you know, on a ten and he needs to be playing a four, you know, like dynamic yes. wise, you know, he's yes. not doing his role right now. And that's when we need to understand I think as musicians of, of understanding what your role is and then playing your role, but it's the people that don't care about that, <laughs> you know, they, and, and that's where I would maybe disagree that if it's, they don't get to play that much, I would wonder if there's some people that literally can't hear it or they don't know, you know, they, they don't have, I call it the, the, uh, what, what was the word I used? Um, the cluelessness. That you know, of, you know. What what do you think about that? Is it? Do you think there's maybe some truth to the? Absolutely. Part? Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't want to go there. Oh, I, I will. To, I was trying to be. Is uh, don't do that. About, don't do that. <laughs> because uh, uh, yeah, you there's just, a lot of uh, there's, <laughs> the, there's that that lack of uh, knowing where they what they should be doing mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know not really caring mm -hmm. and you know you get that in a certain style a genre of music more than other mm, which ones genres. are those jerry and it's i'll tell you, you. Know, uh, and it's a kind of a common uh, a, you know stereotype don't, 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 don't be shy. Say it. Which genre, which genres typically have that? I'll, I'll say it. It's, it's in the world of uh, classical. No. Um, but, uh, I, I'll, I'll just, just I'll just say it. I I, I think that yeah, there's there's too well I'll, you know I'll, I'll say it because I I, I think the this I, I call it kind of in the world of like etiquette sort of you know that that's that's one element of what we're I think what we're trying to get at and then there's the other part of just. N knowing how how knowing what kind of dynamics I need for the song, what kind of tone I need, and then there's the mm -hmm. whole the whole etiquette part of what do you do during somebody else's solo and cueing and all that kind of cluelessness. Mm -hmm. uh, it goes under the umbrella of cluelessness, I think. Uh -huh. And mm -hmm. I would argue that of course totally. there's some blues guys 
in the world in in our town that are really good with the etiquette. They, Dave Hayes is one. Uh, Paul Greenlees, you know, those guys are very good at cueing. They know how to bring it down, pull it up. Um, that's but, interesting. Uh, in blues, uh, that's a very disciplined. That, that's a discipline playing proper blues, being mm. in the blues world, playing it properly. Um, you learn. It's it's such a simple structure mm. of music uh, that of course you know for good reason so we can get more people to sit in and be able to, right. to accompany us mm -hmm. uh, it's a wonderful uh, style of music that that uh, it allowed many different uh, great musicians to, to be part and play together mm -hmm. without having to rehearse right it's mm -hmm. more of a, a get-together type of a jam style of music but uh, it, understanding and respecting what goes on during a blues tune mm -hmm. is, is paramount. I yeah. mean, you're talking about uh, the, the understanding of, of, uh, of you know, the relationship between the drummer and the, and the singer and the drummer and the bass. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, that's true in any music, but mm -hmm. uh, uh, dynamics is so important in blues because mm -hmm. there's really not a lot of you know note virtuosity right happening mm -hmm. and and that wasn't designed for that it was getting into the history and the purpose no, of yeah. blues music yeah is another discussion we sure have. yeah but that's a good point because because uh, that's kind of because with jazz and classical like we especially for us noty players that we're having to deal with like 8000 notes yeah like that that's part of what that's part of the classical thing is notes i mean that's why a lot of classical musicians aren't as good at rhythm in gen they don't have a pocket like the jazz guys do you know and some of the blues sure. guys do is because we have to be obsessed with notes because there's like eight thousand of them yes. <laughs> in the next five minutes there's going to be eight thousand notes and yes. so but but when you get to blues there's there's less notes and rhythm to deal with so you're you're now dealing with the texture and the dynamics and stuff and that's how that's the like maybe the only way, the only thing you got to make it interesting, sort of, or is that a good, is it's, that what you're meaning? Yeah. It, it, that's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. Uh, now, depending, there's you know a wide range of styles of blues. Mm -hmm. There's your your fancier, uh, you know, more of a jazzy tinge mm -hmm. style, you know, which is indicative of the old Kansas City riffing mm -hmm. cats and the. You know, Basie, maybe, right? And, yeah, and, and instrumental Charlie, blues. Charlie Parker. You to know. where you have to interpret a blues structure with instruments. Yeah. So you're talking notes there. You're going to really have to work your instrument. Well, most blues is not. It's storytelling. It's one, four, five structure. Uh, it's, it's not uh, real intricate structure uh, stuff. And... Uh, Drummer dropping chord changes. Look at you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and you're talking, um, you know, most of the blues that, that you play, especially at a jam or something, but it, most blues is, is a story. You've got two verses and then a, and then a, a solo and then back to a verse. And, a so, and it's a story and it's, you know, four minutes or however long. Mm -hmm. And it, to, to portray that, story that you've told a million you've heard it a million times over oh, one to the four mm -hmm. back to the one 
you know, it's basic blues structure, so you only have this much to work with. So what do you do with that? You color it with texture um, and, and with your uh, dynamic. And I've seen some great bands that are just, uh, and local, good local bands that uh, apply uh, dynamic uh, very well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, blues, that's like everything. Yeah. It's, is uh, the, uh, the dynamic. Uh, right. You know, when to bring it up and when to bring it down. And uh, if you have a good front person, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of blues has that one single person up right. front portraying the story to the audience, mm-hmm. the, the singer, uh, and uh, usually a guitarist or a harp player. Mm-hmm. They can control that and know when to tell everyone to bring it down and, right. and bring it up. And that's wonderful to work with somebody like that. Yeah. Uh, to, for me, to work with a bass player that is in touch with that. Yes. Uh, yeah. is wonderful. I've worked with uh, Rich just recently, mm-hmm. and he's he's really good at that, working with me and giving me the eye, and that way we know that we are going to change the dynamic here. In a yeah, second. yeah. And we're going to bring it down, and we're going to do this, mm-hmm. and we're going to do that. After working with somebody for with a while, you can, yeah, you uh, can sort of do that without thinking, right? I mean, you're just going to yeah, do it. just with, with a little other, yeah. eye contact and a little... You know, feeling each other out and maybe looking at each other, knowing that uh, the end of that verse is coming up, and we want to see. See what I was meaning with mentioning the blues scene is is that you know, in my in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, but in in town, I've just seen that when you when you go to a jazz jam, everybody just does that. (laughs) You know, the adjustment to uh, the 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 adjustment to volume, the non-cluelessness with cueing solos and cueing the end of the song and that kind of like they just they just do that it's like breathing you know and then like you said with the the lack of kind of ability you know you go to a lot of the blues jams and you you get more percentage of people that don't think that way you know and and that's just you know i'm just gonna talk some crap right now (laughs) you know but but that's but that's just what i've noticed and that's one reason why i enjoy playing with people that are less clueless about that stuff and that's why I enjoy playing with a lot of the jazz mentality people is because they just mm-hmm. you you're mentioning about the singers how they can help you like they can help guide that sort and the word I'm hearing is for you <laughs> guide that for you and when I go play with the jazz guys they don't need them to do that mm-hmm. you know what I mean they don't need you to they don't need the singer to tell him come down they just do it you know, because they feel it too, just like you said, your ear thing going on. You know, they are they have uh-huh. the ears too, and they, oh, and then they're down to it's nothing, and then the, there it's a very intuitive thing. And that that's just my opinion. You know, talk some talk some shit right now, I guess. You know, but but uh, I've heard but, that word being used too to describe that uh, ability to uh, handle a tune properly like that. It, it is intuition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When a bunch of guys, you know. A, you know, a three or four piece uh, can work with each other intuitively and know that we're going to uh, change the, uh, uh, mm-hmm. the the level, the, the sound level, <laughs> the sound pressure level. Um, I, I want to get away from 
continually using the word dynamic. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> but that's, I've noticed that sometimes word. somebody, a drummer sometimes can, can, uh, can guide that. Because when the drummer comes down, everybody, you know, I mean, it's, really it, 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 right. it, it, like, uh-huh. you, you feel like an idiot. You know, when the drummer comes down, you're bong, 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 you know, and uh-huh. a dong, dong, ding, bong, ding, dong, dong, and, and you just follow uh-huh. with them. And so uh-huh. sometimes I think drummers could could guide Direct. that the most, you know, out of, of the whole group. And, and I don't definitely. know what you think about that, it, but yeah. It definitely, definitely. Uh, and, and that's a way you can tell if everyone's listening. Mm-hmm. You know, in the, the band, band, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm real sensitive to that. To, you know, is this guy listening? Mm-hmm. That guy's not listening. Okay. Are you listening? <laughs> and I forgive at certain levels mm-hmm. as well. Okay. He's the mm-hmm. front guy, yeah. guitar player, uh, bass player. You better be locked mm-hmm. in. You know, you better be listening and when they're not you've heard me uh, get a little bit uh, you know and I'm so, not gonna so, name so, so you say so so you say I get uh, so so yeah. you're 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 picking and choosing who gets to get away with it basically and so and so you have the, 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 a, the front the man there and then you realize okay I'm hired to basically basically save this guy's ass you know to save this uh, the singers you know behind when he you know does five beats instead of four in this measure oh there he is and then now you're back you know and you know that that's just I'm being silly right now but you know okay I'm hired to like basically save his behind make him look good you know so I'll, I'll let that I'll let that go you know <laughs> Well, it, it, yeah, to a certain extent, um, I mean, there's, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I've played with some, some guys that really suck mm-hmm. as front guys, and they're just, but I've, I've kept my cool and gotten through the gigs uh, as good as I could to make them, you know, to, to fix whatever uh, needed to be uh, you know, to get get through the songs, but the bass players, mm. I just I don't have any forgiveness mm-hmm. for a bass player. A bass player yeah. is my conduit to the world. I mean, they, yeah. they're my connection, and they feel the same way. I'm sure about yeah. that. Um, and I've been told this, of course. I, I'm not. What am I saying? I'm sure. That is how a bass player feels. They feel that they can control. They they are in control. Mm-hmm. Of the piece, as far as style, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, between rhythm and and style, um, they have the good bass players <laughs> feel that they are very very important to the piece, mm-hmm. and I totally uh, respect and love that in a bass player mm-hmm. um, because he can connect. Everyone, all the melodic world, to the rhythmic world, mm-hmm. and he's right in between there, isn't he? He's, he's our, the connection between those two parts of the band, sort of, right? He's our connection yeah. when it comes to that style of music. Now, you know, I'm back to you know combo playing right. with a drum set, uh, that style of music, yeah. I guess, rhythm and blues. Right. Um, we're talking about, but. Uh, uh, the bass player is is just very very important to mm-hmm. 
I think is, I actually would love to be a bass player, mm -hmm. actually. Yeah, I'm jealous too. <laughs> you know, to, because I, I can, I've got an ear for music, like I was telling you. Mm -hmm. um, so I've got melody going, but, but I'm better at in interpreting a melody with a drum set. Um, I don't have that ability to play a bass, but if I, if I played an instrument, I'd probably be best at playing a bass. Yeah, wow, that's cool. But that's true with any drummer. Yeah, you know, they, they're rhythmically connected. But uh, uh, but the back to the the who I'll let get away with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the if the bass player is not there, you know, I'll almost not even listen to the rest of the band. Mm -hmm. I'm just worried about that bass. Yeah, and if it's done properly. Yeah, because if we two hook up. You guys are just sitting on a cushion. Yes. And, yes. and you mm -hmm. must love it when you play with a great it's nice. rhythm yeah. section. Yeah. Rhythm section being a drum kit artist and a bass player. Yeah. <laughs> That's your rhythm section in most of the music we play. Because this like I, I always classic. think of them, I always use the football analogy where the you you guys are like the offensive line to me. If you can make an analogy, sure, if the sure. offensive line sucks, I mean you lose. You know, I mean everything sure. falls apart. The entire thing and drummer drummers yeah. and bass players are definitely that idea where you get a good one and nobody notices anything. You know, and then and you get a bad one and it's bad. You know, I mean, a, you know, when a bass misses that big four chord. The, the entire band like goes to crap and then the drummer is the same way you know if the drummer you know is pretty sloppy with their shuffle or sloppy with their bossa or something you know it's bad i mean the whole band like gets anxiety you know because we're trying to like find them and like wait, no no oh, there is you know, and, and a it, lot of times it's it's uh, but it's a cushion when you have it good you know it's just unbelievably fun have you ever played those gigs where you're you're just like Something's wrong, man. I'm not comfortable here. I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm out on the, you know, on a, you know, on the cliff, on the edge of a mm. cliff. I don't know if I'm gonna, you know, I'm climbing a tree. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, pretty much is because your rhythm section mm -hmm. is out of sync. Um, now I've played some some gigs um, with a with a dude that that was. Uh, here's another. <laughs> Um, a tempo issue uh, mm -hmm. with with uh, guys that are on an instrument that that is a prevailing instrument in this particular band. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not gonna name names. <laughs> that had very poor timing, meaning mm -hmm. uh, you know always ahead of the beat uh, on the the changes going back to the one. They always come back too early, and it just and it constantly throws everything off. Uh, that to me becomes super uncomfortable, mm -hmm. and I start wondering what's going on, and, and trying to find the feel. And professional, a good, uh, experienced drummer will play through that. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. meaning uh, the gig is either going to be a total struggle or a, a total joy. Yeah, there's that fine That's line yeah. uh, of work. You know, I've done gigs that at, got the to the end of them and. And I'm just wore out. Yeah, I'm wore out because of you're that. finding him. So you're just constantly finding him, or like trying to no, pretty much trying to block them. The, out yeah, trying to and barrel through. Yeah, keep keep a solid yeah. pulse. Uh, so why would you choose to do that and not try to find him the whole night? Uh, well, 
I've done gigs. <laughs> I've had the experience of adjusting mm -hmm. all night. Right. And what I found there is uh, it, it's a disaster because uh, mm. you'll end up speeding a piece up mm. or dragging it. If you're trying to constantly adjust with somebody, yeah. um, you're gonna you're gonna suffer one way or another. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it you want to talk real sloppy sounding. Stuff yeah, so that's that that makes it more sloppy to try to find him the whole time if it's really bad, right? I mean, we're talking yeah. if it's pretty egregious, you know. It, well, in in my experience, I can read the players. Mm -hmm. uh, what's going to happen during this gig <laughs> pretty quick you can tell within the first two songs this this one i'm going to have this problem with okay that okay. one's going to and then you point be out. this one and that one and then and then i uh, apply the hierarchy of importance to mm -hmm. that okay yeah. he okay i can get away with it when it always comes down to that bass player it yeah. needs to really be pretty darn locked in yeah. to make this a good gig sometimes that doesn't happen but mm -hmm. but what I try to do you know if it if um, we have low scoring on all of those issues okay, <laughs> I'm trying to be as politically correct here so you're if sitting with the thing you're crying low, okay rhythm and uh, in my notes mind, that, uh, in my mind yeah <laughs> I'm being um, I'm being very critical of each player and um, when it comes, you know, sometimes I just have to go, okay, buddy, you're on your own. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, basically pulse through the gig mm -hmm. uh, and, and try to keep it together with, uh, with people going ahead and behind the tempo mm -hmm. uh, and going back and forth through the tempo. Yeah. Uh, you just have to block any imperfections out and keep that pulse, that rhythm going straight as solid as you can, however, the, whatever the particular tune is. Yeah. And it, you can almost, I almost throw a tempo dynamic out the window. I mean, it's mm. almost like I can't, because with a, um, uh, with, with a, a very good player, a very experienced player, uh, you can, or I should say a band, that's way up there in quality and, and mm. experience. I can work with the tempo. Uh, I can, you know, a particular piece might require a little bit of uh, a pushing, mm -hmm. of driving, mm -hmm. where the, the drummer has to to drive that piece a little to make it sound right. right. Or I have to stay behind a mm -hmm. little, drag it a little bit to give it that the way it should sound, right? And give it a laid back feel, yeah, yeah. yeah. To to give it a, a little bit mm -hmm. of, of a different, you know, uh, uh, some swing stuff. Mm -hmm. I want to let that bass player kind of get ahead of me a little bit, so I'll pull, I'll I'll let him play, mm -hmm. and and then I'll play just slightly behind him. You know, it's it's a, uh, you know, I'll, I keep using my hand like yeah, the, that's right. Right in the center is your playing just straight time. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you want a different feel, so you play slightly behind right. the beat, mm -hmm. or slightly in front of the. And you're doing that on purpose. You know, and you're not accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Conscious of that. Yeah, conscious. Yeah. That which you know you could you could take semesters in college to learn. 
yeah. where to put the beat yeah. <laughs> on stuff. Um, it's just an, really an experience uh, thing. You know, on, on that topic with the, with the who is driving this, so, so set aside the times when you're like fighting the guy, you know, set aside the, the times when you're, when we have the ideal of what, what you would want in a band. I heard, uh, you've probably heard of Jack Dejanet, right? I mean, real, he's a real famous drummer with Miles and, you know, it, you know tons of people. And sure. uh, Dave Holland, another famous bass player, jazz guy, he, yeah. they, they did this uh, Miles Electric v- DVD. It was a documentary on all the fusion stuff in the 70s, and Jack yeah. and, and Dave Holland po- played on it. And they said something really interesting that I'd never considered before. And Jack was talking about, or uh, Dave Holland was talking about, they were like, what's your job? We were talking about these roles of each player, you know? And yeah. Dave was like, he's like, my job as the bass player, he's like, my job is to be the center of the music. He's like, I'm, I'm really the actual center of this whole thing right now. And and they were doing kind of stuff that's like, because it was real jammy kind of stuff on Mile. And, and yeah. I, I think he was meaning in bass in general, but I think he was specifically talking about that fusion stuff. And they were doing like kind of stuff like, boom, 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 boom. And everybody's doing the crazy swirl around trippy stuff. But he, sure, he's sure, really sure. the core, and funk is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. I mean, funk has a huge bass riff, and everybody is just doing stuff, you know, around him. Sure. And I thought that was so interesting, because then they immediately went, right yeah, they, they went they went immediately over to Jack Dejanet, and they go, so what's the role of the drummer? And he basically, in so many words, say, not to be the center, you know? And I thought that was really interesting, because I always thought the drums, at that time, I always thought the drums were the kind of center, and everybody was around them. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, the drummer is meant to, in his eyes, the drummer was meant to kind of embellish the groove and to help the groove along, not to be everybody's metronome for them. You know, it was kind of what he was implying. Uh, What what do you think about that? I mean, do you agree with that or like... Well, uh, was Jack was probably just talking about fusion style music. Maybe, yeah, yeah. See, because I would have to disagree in Mm -hmm. certain areas of uh, certain styles of music mm-hmm. uh, the drummer is like the uh, the king you know mm-hmm. you, you you want to be that timekeeper mm-hmm. yeah uh, that four on the floor that mm-hmm. uh, uh, but in that style of music well, yeah I can see mm-hmm. uh, you don't you, you know it's the bassist yeah but, uh, or the, whoever I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was an interesting way because I'd never considered Mm -hmm. that before. And I guess Mm -hmm. what where I was coming with that Mm -hmm. idea is, as a teacher, you know, reminding my students of we have that click track going on, and and then they they have to sit there and they fall apart unless they have that clicking for them, you know. And then you know, and I'm obviously we're trying to teach the kids. Don't use that, you know, you know, have it in your own head, you know, so, so we don't need a drummer to do that for you. You know, you have the internal pulse and you have it, you know, so that's kind of how I took it, I guess, is that, is that you have to have your own, it it has to be the right pulse, you know, it can't be, you you can't just choose whatever pulse and then the band's doing something else. But that's how I kind of took that is that, you know, he was saying like you, that my job is to help it along instead of, 
be your guys's metronome for you, you know, because because you guys suck and I have good rhythm and you guys suck, you know. It's like, you know, I think that's maybe more of what okay. he meant, you know. But I'm I'm paraphrasing because you didn't hear him say it. But I don't know. I always well, thought that was really interesting. But but when me and Scott do the girl from Oklahoma, I mean, who's rhythming that right now? I mean, <laughs> right? Nobody. <laughs> Doom, 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 you know, I mean, so it's hard to argue that, you know, when you're sitting there with a big bass drum, you know, keeping us there, obviously. You know, what I said a minute ago, I, you know, that might not be exactly what I'm trying to to say, but um, there's an interesting point, uh, the the drummer, um, you, you want... You know, when I'm talking about a, a bassist and, and then me trying to play b- in front or behind a beat, mm-hmm. if I do that, that's and everybody's following me, then that's gonna. If I play behind the beat, everybody's gonna yeah, play, now play behind, behind the, the beat. beat. No, yeah. I don't want mm-hmm. that. Right. You want independence. Yeah. You want independence out there, but uh, uh, comfortable independence. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't want to be so. In, that does agree with Jack. Right, and, yeah, no, 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 yeah. In that respect, because, it, you know, you're going to have to, you don't want everybody just locking into me, because then I can't do anything mm. to adjust the, the the tune. Right. So, you know. There and and like I said, we're talking ideally. We're not talking those moments where you're fighting the bass player, you know, and you're plowing through on purpose. You know, that's a totally different scenario, like you were talking about a minute ago, right? Because you're plowing through and you're doing this on purpose. You are going to follow me and or be left in the dust because you're sucking so bad. And we need to keep this on, you know, on purpose. But then in with Miles and Jack and, you know, yeah, I mean, those guys are pros. I mean, they're, the you know, yeah. Of experience right. yeah. and virtuosity. Compared to amateurs, sure, it's different. Have yeah. different goals oh, in mm-hmm. mind. To they, they are up there for different purposes, and they don't yeah. really put a lot of emphasis on their their instruments. Right. And those are the ones that I have problems. Yeah, it's it's very difficult. Um, you know, they're they're concentrated on the singing, not necessarily their their playing their instrument. Yeah, they just want to uh, to to you know that. And I know that they're not, you know, I could tell if these players are listening to me or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and there's bands that I, I play with that I know that bass player is not listening to me because he's he's up there on the top, stage left and he hasn't even looked at me all night. So I guess he's winging it or has really good ears mm-hmm. or my drum set is really loud that he can hear me. Way he's hearing there. you back in his... Because Hopefully. I know this guy isn't even on the same page as me, yeah. and that is is important uh, to for a player to a band to be in touch with each other, to be to make communication, to make contact with each of the players, mm-hmm. especially the bass and to the drummer. Mm-hmm. I want to have communication with that person. The ultimate being set your bass amp right there. And you sit over by my hi-hat so we can converse all night. <laughs> I'm not going to get mm-hmm. that. You know, certain stages sure. do not That's allow the idea. Yeah. Yeah. that situation, you yeah. know, because we, we're on a festival stage and, right. and the bass player has, you know, there's certain yeah. physical requirements of the stage. But still, he can be 
uh, you know, the great bass players are the ones that keep in contact with me and communicate with me yeah. uh, throughout the show, and I and the other artists too. And that's that's Which me. You know, so we're sad. we're kind of running, You know, we're we're getting we're getting towards the end here, but like that that's maybe the last thing we'll talk about is that if you have. Because I was asking one one guy, I can't remember who who I was interviewing, but I was talking, I was asking him kind of what are the deal breakers, you know, in a band, you know, because there's all sorts of stuff that's crappy and dumb and whatever, and you know, but for me it's like uh, lots of people make things deal breakers, okay. maybe unfairly, you know. So one example of this is like we have a forty song set list, and I don't like two of them. Mm -hmm. You know, is that a deal breaker? I would say no. You know, I would say that's not enough. You know, that's not enough to be, oh, this band sucks. I'm out of here. You guys are dumb. You know, that kind of mentality that for me, not like what you like 38 of them and then two songs you don't like. And so I'm going to quit. You know, that, that seems a little ridiculous to me, but that's a great question. You know, it, it is a good is a question. What's the deal? And it's kind of different for everybody and that's fine. You know, as far as I'm concerned, it's fine. It, there's just things that you can't deal with. Uh, one example that I think is a is a deal breaker for literally everybody is a guy who shows up and is five gigs in a row, drunk and literally falling off the stage, like literally falling. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's a deal breaker, right? You got to get this guy out of here, right? He's making our band look terrible. We're losing gigs, right? Yeah. I mean, that, to me, that's a deal breaker. And that's an extreme example too, you know, but for, I mean, you mentioned a little bit about the bass player. Um, what, uh, so my question is like when you have those things that are verging on deal breakers that are getting really annoying, you know, right. what, what's your, what, what's your opinion of how um, people should handle that? Just privately away mm -hmm. from the band, mm -hmm. discuss it with, with the person, not in front of everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, just have a personal private meeting and try to to work out the differences there mm -hmm. um, let them understand where I'm coming from yeah you know and uh, give them all the respect that you can but uh, you know you got to tell them like it is but away from the crowd yeah you know? yeah uh, in That's a separate a setting and you want to do it like as soon as you can. Yeah. Uh -huh. When you when you run into a problem, don't gig with them for another ten gigs. <laughs> yeah. Know, six, six months. Right. And then you know, uh, put up with it, and then. Uh, hey, the last nineteen times you played the song, you've. Uh, <laughs> and, and then you hit them with, you know, man, you know, I'm really having a problem. Like, they're like, why didn't you tell me that mm -hmm. for the last fifteen, yeah, twenty gigs? Right, yeah. Uh, if it if it's that big of a deal. Yeah. So you have to get things handled as soon as possible and, and in a private manner. Yeah, that's a good uh, piece of advice. No one, uh, and then there's, you know, usually a positive outcome from it. Right. Um, what happens when you bring that up in the middle of rehearsal in front of everybody? How does that usually go? Oh, you never do that. <laughs> so, no, I understand that you shouldn't ever do that. What happens when you do that? Oh, I don't know. Then, then I end up, then you, then you end up reflecting, inner trying to, you know, some inner reflection on, gosh, you know, I need to mellow out, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do they start doing this kind of thing with? Well, you know, and, you know, they start to get that, um, 
defensive kind of stuff in front of everybody and then they start the ego comes out like you know i mean it's that's fun. why you'd not want to do that right yeah, yeah. That, you don't know what's what's going to happen mm-hmm. you don't know how they're going to react you know yeah. and it's never worked <laughs> it's never helped I, obviously it you know there's that technique of embarrassing people in front of them that makes more of an impression to them about mm-hmm. something in this case i would say uh, probably not a positive uh, a productive yeah. uh, uh, way of doing it yeah. uh, they're just going to get pissed at you yeah. and then they're going to start to trying to defend themselves to the audience you know to the other band members yeah, yeah. you know like oh, he really doesn't know what he's talking about <coughs> you know? yeah. who knows it's it's never been a good outcome yeah that's a good point and yeah. i mean i i did you know in front of the band and it it was a, a bad outcome. Right. This one particular band I was yeah. in, it's mm-hmm. not our band, um, he got real offended and said, you know, some very childish things mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was uh, embarrassing for him, his reaction right. to what I said, because he reacted to it like in, a child. In, a, in a terrible way. Yeah. yeah, it was a very revealing mm. negative thing, and, and I, I didn't know. How to? I, I just kind of mellowed out and, sit and, and backed off yeah. know, from that. It's okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And went on from there, but it was, you know, revealing to everybody what kind yeah. of a jerk this guy right. was about music. You know, and and pretty much tells you that okay, I'll never get anywhere with this person. Right. If I can't tell them, you know, play a B instead of an A. <laughs> you know, right, and they lose it. You know, it they, was they, literally yeah, yeah. that. It was one of those kind of a simple things. Yeah, wow. I was like, I on this part of this piece here, it was a song I wrote. <laughs> I had the music sheet. Yeah, music. that's tough when it's like a song you wrote, and then you're like, "Hey, man, uh, you on know, be part, be a little bit more flexible here." You know, the next song you write, you know, you can tell me exactly what you want, but. On this one, it was one of those. Well, I, you know, I want to take his his reaction to the song was I'm gonna just you know put my take on this song. Sure. Yeah. And it was I was being very nice. And, right. You did a great job, but you know this mm-hmm. is the way yeah. I I need this piece. You know, right. the arrangement calls for this particular sound. And that's and that's a different. That's why I brought that up with Greg because that that's the same type of a thing where a lot of times it's not necessarily why we're why we're arguing these two people are arguing it's not that this guy is just you know literally like dropping every third beat or something you know he's literally like playing the thing badly it's that it just you didn't you know this is not what i'm going for especially as the writer of the song you know it's like so it's now now it's just a taste thing and we're arguing about choices rather than i have this moment where this i mean the i i had another time where this guy was that ba dum bum ba ba dee dee, you know, any any okay. end end of any blues Ending. song, and mm-hmm. we're like teaching this guy how to play, you know. I mean, he'd played for thirty years, he said, you know, and we were teaching him, and he does yeah. with the first finger, uh, 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 mm, 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 you know. I'm like, wow. we're like, okay. I'm like. You played country thirty years and you've never played that ending before, <laughs> like really, you know. So that was kind Ice of a moment where like I, I kind of had to make a decision. And and last question I'll I'll have about that is that there, 
this is a thing that we all deal with. Every single band has dealt with this many times or musician where we have that moment, you know, where it's where we have the deal breaker or the close to the deal breaker during this band. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm having trouble even, you know, and I definitely won't get into this, but even even with my life and politically and whatever, trying to figure out what I can change, you know, and, and in that band moment, this might be a moment that I'm not going to be able to change. And so that now I'm sitting here, is this a deal breaker or isn't it in this group? And what do I do about this? Do I take them aside after I take them aside and be as nice as possible and they still don't change? I'm now sitting at this fork, you know, of do I, you know, that that's the stuff mm -hmm. that we all need to talk about a lot more because we all deal with that like mm. four times a year at least because <laughs> hardly any of us get to play in a band for 17 years in a row, you know, we're all kind of moving right. around some and sure. and especially for for somebody like you that sits in with a lot of different, you know, it's just something I like to talk about on the show a lot because it's a big question and it's probably the reason why, in my opinion, why so many bands break up is because of these moments where we're talking it out and people totally. take it. What do you, is it, you think that's probably the biggest reason why people quit or? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, it, you know, in this context, you have to look at level uh, of, uh, of players. You know, yeah. if you're talking about pros yeah. uh, and you come to the to the uh, to the band mm -hmm. uh, as a member, you expect certain things, and mm -hmm. those expectations, you know, you expect this, yeah. you know, and and you should as a pro, uh, and you're getting amateur stuff happening. Mm -hmm. You know, in the amateur level bands that don't play very much, right. um, you get more problems, yeah, uh, because there's, you know levels of players you're probably going to get sure. you know, one or two guys that haven't had a lot of experience but at the pro level um you expect mm -hmm. so so there's probably not going to be that many problems yeah, yeah. because everybody uh, is at that level but it, but at the the uh, you know uh, amateur well so then so then that's now not the word yeah but but now that gets back to another question okay let's say for sake of argument that you've had four experiences in a row like that right where with you're kind of with it with a you know amateur type band now you're sitting yeah. at this choice that i'm sure a lot of guys in kcr hobby band. they're going who yeah i'm not gonna have any problems yeah i'm gonna go with them you know now they're now they're seeking out I'm basically only going to play with non-amateur, you know, like, and so now they're, you know, now they, that's how yeah. they get over that problem for the future, right? right. They, they don't put themselves in that situation as much as possible. They go play with a Brian Ruskin or they go play with a Scotty McBee or a, you know, or Dave Hayes and Paul Greenlease, the guys that, you know, know what they're doing and they're not going to do this stuff. Right. And that that's right. that's their solution to that problem, I guess, is don't put yourself in that situation as much as you possibly can, you know. If, yes. You know, yeah. <laughs> that, that instead is... of getting instead of getting into a band and then going all tyrannical on them, you need to do this. You guys suck. You need to shape up, and then the bass player needs to, you know. Yeah. So we're we're probably almost all we're we're already over time here, but I want to give you a chance oh, man, to. Uh, no, you're you're fine. I love this stuff. I'll talk about this all night if I could. You this know, is this uh, is like band psychology. Uh -huh. Um, you know, the way I've been dealing with bands, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, 
This is important yeah. stuff. That's why I want to do the show. You know, this is stuff that I don't think a lot of people, well, even my people that I talk to at jams, we sit here and do this, you know, all the time. And me and you have done this, you know, a lot already. Um, sure. And just talking about stuff like this. But uh, the one story. Back from the gig and mm-hmm. the band and mm-hmm. stuff, you know. Yeah. And uh, so the one that I wanted you, the last one I wanted you to share is uh, you were talking a little bit about your uh, IBC experience. Getting oh. to play with, uh, was um, it. Was Nick there, um, the, uh, the Trampled Underfoot, or was that Samantha? Yeah, it was uh, Trampled Underfoot. Yeah, talk about that. It, it was all the Schneblins, the mm-hmm. three. And uh, this is back in uh, 2008. Um, it was, uh, I was with a band called the Doghouse Daddies, mm-hmm. which was a four-piece uh, jump blues band. Okay, so we were more of a, a we had an upright bass, uh, a sax slash harp player mm-hmm. uh, and a really good electric guitarist played a lot of hollow body electric guitar and uh, me on the drums and uh, we were doing our thing we had been gigging for a long time and uh, we had even gone down in 07 as mm-hmm. well we represented you know, the IBC you're required to represent a city right a Mm -hmm. blues uh, club uh, an affiliate of the blues um, foundation Mm -hmm. based out of memphis without getting into too much detail Mm -hmm. on this because i I could talk about this for a while Um, but it's a blues contest right is is basically and you you win the city right and then you go down right it's a very structured contest uh they have a, uh, a scoring form. Mm-hmm. Uh, certain categories are weighted. Uh, blues content is, you know, like a weight of eight points. Mm-hmm. And it's all weighted. Yeah. You know, talent is one of them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's worth like two. But uh, it's it's very structured, you know. They, they blues have, is eight, talent's two. It's, it, you could pull up their scoring sheet. Yeah, it'd be um, interesting to look on, at on that. On their yeah. website, yeah. you know, and they and it, if uh, it, you know you, if you want to put on a uh, a contest, a mm-hmm. IBC um, qualifying right um, contest, and there's hundreds of um, blues clubs, uh, blues societies all over the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we were playing. Uh, primarily blues uh this was a blues band the doghouse daddies mm-hmm. some of it was jazzy kind of stuff but not mm-hmm. really yeah you know, it was because it, it, it just the um, the format of the band didn't didn't play a lot of jazz right um upright bass so there was a lot of four on the floor a lot of walking mm-hmm. and i loved to swing the blues that was just mm-hmm. my thing i was a I love to to play bop, uh, with with blues. You know, I like yeah. to I like to swing and, and you know people are, that's jazz. And as well, well, okay, um, it's kind of that's it's it's a jazzy approach to to blues. Uh, but the music we sang was was post war jump blues mm-hmm. uh, and it, it, West Coast uh, blues was. Uh, you know, a lot of people call it call it that because of their style. You know, they it was the same guitar, upright, harp, uh, mm-hmm. it, it, but 
anyway, we, we see, were see on a tangent. That's one of the things that drives me nuts is when these blues guys tell the tell me that these jazz guys aren't playing real blues. I'm like, oh please, you know. I I don't know if you've heard that before. Somebody say that these jazz guys they don't play real blues. I'm like. Uh, you know, that's really, yeah, I know that's a whole other conversation, but uh, but anyway, that that's one thing that that <laughs> I, I totally agree with your idea there is that you know we we deserve to be in this contest right now, yeah. bluesy, yeah, right, it's, it's, you know, it, it just draws me nuts when people say that <laughs> we were playing this style of blues, yes, and it's called jump mm-hmm. blues, post-war era blues, exactly, uh, which uh, were indicative of. Funny stories, you know, funny, uh, they're a lighter look at mm-hmm. life's goofy things mm-hmm. that, that create blues in our lives. And, it, and it's a, a, you know, a, 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 you know, basically just a, a, you know, a more funnier approach to mm-hmm. it. You know, we don't take ourselves seriously right. uh, in this music. But... Also, with a lot, a, a lot peppier beat to it, uh, and it's a, you know, all the riffing there is in blues music. Uh, it, there was usually two guitar solos, one, one uh, uh, sax solo, uh, and two, three verses of singing. Sometimes, a, you know, I would do a little part in there. Mm-hmm. But um, here we were anyway mm-hmm. at at uh, in Memphis. Uh, back in 2008, we found ourselves there for the second year. So we were very experienced at uh, uh, what goes on with these things. So this whole thing was like, okay, um, we initially got there representing uh, Jefferson City, mm-hmm. the Blue Society. And that was because uh, they really wanted us to play there in 07 in Jefferson City for their contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were, we had already won the Lake of the Ozarks, mm-hmm. Blue Society's contest. Yeah, yeah. And they had theirs like early that year. It was like mm-hmm. September uh, of that year. And this contest, the Memphis, uh, the, big, the big thing in Memphis is in late January, early February. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these... Uh, qualifiers are usually in October, November. Right. Bef- you know, but this one was in September. So in 07, we were obligated to do the uh, uh, event for uh, the Lake of the Ozarks. Mm-hmm. So we said, okay, Jeff City, we'll do yours next year. We yeah. promise. We promise. So the next year, we go up to Jeff City, uh, and, and we were one of 12 bands that played up at... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, there was a club in Columbia, Missouri. They had the... We end up winning. Mm-hmm. We, a lot of good bands. They liked us. Uh, cool. Okay. We make it to Memphis. And same year, Trampled Underfoot mm-hmm. had made it uh, through the Kansas City organization. They represented Kansas City right. and uh, won their finals. Yeah. Um, it's a which, big deal. Was the you know always a of, lot of good bands. You kind know. of was. They have a like a four different. Preliminary, just to get to the finals yeah, in Kansas, Kansas City. City. Yeah. Okay. I just had Nick on the show. He was the yeah. last interview ex- done. Yeah. Kind yeah, of yeah, explain yeah. all this. Yeah. As a matter of fact, that year um, we went to Columbia and mm-hmm. did the the Jefferson City um, uh, contest, uh, 
but the week before that we had to, we said we'll do the Blaney's one here mm-hmm. in Kansas City just so we could be part of that too you know we ended up winning that preliminary mm-hmm. round. Okay, so out of four preliminaries to go to the Kansas City Finals, yeah. we won one of them. So we were going to go to the finals in Kansas City, right. and we would have competed against Trampoline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we had won, but then the next weekend we had the obligation. We said we were going to do the contest in Jeff City, right. uh, for, in Columbia, yeah. for Jeff City. So we go in there, you know. Okay, um, we're here. You know, we just blew through our thing. We end up winning it. Yeah, yeah. We end up winning the darn thing. And it's a guaranteed trip down there Mm -hmm. because it's only a one-day contest in Columbia. Whereas here, we would have still had one more obstacle. So we took a vote. We said, yeah, I guess we better, you know, since we're guaranteed this one, at the time, we had no idea who was going to be in the finals in Kansas City. Yeah. So it was just, it was really funny how it all turned out. Yeah. We end up going down to Memphis representing Jeff City. It turns out Trampled Underfoot goes down mm-hmm. and um, it represents Kansas City. Um, we all know each other. So when we got down there, I ran into Danielle, mm-hmm. the, the singer for. for uh, uh, trampled underfoot and you know hey what's going on out in the street and, and it was we were all very much Kansas City yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, all, we're all from Kansas City yeah even though we were representing uh, so long story short uh, we end up winning our venue yeah which is a long process yeah. to to be able to to get to that honor <laughs> To be able to make it to the finals, yeah, and the finals there were ten bands mm-hmm. that that got to repre- uh, to, to be the the finalists at this big beautiful theater downtown where mm-hmm. they hold the finals. It's called the Orpheum Theater, mm-hmm. uh, huge huge uh, standalone theater down there. It's been there for years, and we were one of the final ten bands. And when you go, when everybody meets up. Uh, to to find out the order of go, mm-hmm. it's all random. It's a it's a, uh, a roll of the dice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it turned out that trampled underfoot went before us, mm-hmm. and uh, we we went on right after them. Who they went on to win the event. Mm-hmm. So they were well received. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have to go up. And do our thing, mm-hmm. you know, right after that, and it was like, oh my god. So you were sit- you said before we started talking is that you were kind of sitting there as a fan, right? I mean, and you're watching as a fan, and then you're like, oh right, yeah, we have to like play. It was <laughs> right? com- uh, yeah. completely that because I'm yeah. I'm a big fan of sure. Trample Underfoot. I love Danielle and mm-hmm. Nick and, and Chris and Chris, yeah, the drummer, and we're in the in the side of the stage mm-hmm. uh, watching the band uh, and watching all the other bands. We were like. Fifth and sixth mm-hmm. order of go, I think it was. So we had to sit through, you know, some pretty good bands, some probably. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. And hanging out backstage and just, you mm-hmm. know, being musicians waiting to go on stage. Yeah. And the kids went on. You mean like? <laughs> and so we're Four heavily shots. into. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And being there was, musicians. There was no. <laughs> 
Yeah. Not that day. He got to be on point. Yeah. These kids did a great show, and I've you know seen them play many times. Yeah. And, and Danielle is walking off stage in her in her high heels and in her dress and looking like a million bucks mm-hmm. with her electric bass, and she walks off, and I give her a big hug right mm-hmm. as she's walking off, and 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 it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and we didn't even have, you know. Uh, What's his name? Uh, uh, Billy uh, Moreland, Bill oh. Moreland, the uh, upright bass player, threw down uh, a list and, and then just wrote four different uh, copies of the list in a, a set list. <laughs> and said, hey, we'll, "We'll do the same one we did." At, that's how it all went down. It was all very nonchalant sure. for us because we had been playing uh, together for you know. Two three years by yeah. then, so you know it was just like down, yeah. we were just going through the motions and having <laughs> fun and absorbing it and just having a blast and yeah, enjoying the great. whole scene. Yeah, and um, uh, you know we got out there and did our thing and I didn't. Uh, uh, I had you're you're supposed to bring your own cymbals and, and <laughs> your own equipment yeah. to an extent, and uh, they had the shells and and everything out there. And I found out that they were going before us, so I said, "Hey, uh, Chris, uh, do you mind if I use your cymbals, man? You know, just leave them out there." He's, "Oh, no problem. You know, mm-hmm. they, well, that's the kind of stuff we yeah. we do." Yeah, that's fun. And uh, and sure, man. And so Chris gets off the stage after I'm uh, through with with uh, Danielle and Nick, uh, and Chris is the last one off the stage. He comes over and he says, man, I'm so sorry. Uh, the hi-hat um, uh, clutch is not big enough. Uh, it, it, his is too big. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't tighten, uh, so there's no hi-hat. The clutch uh, doesn't grab the, the clutch, uh, the, the, the rod. Yeah. It didn't, it, it, the hi-hat doesn't work, man. And I don't know what's wrong with the ride symbol either. So those kids did their whole set. Well, a hi hat that didn't work, and and I didn't know what was wrong, so I'm up there, you know, thousand people. You're given ten minutes to set up between yeah. bands. I mean, you're given like literally ten minutes. Yeah. To, so I'm up there, you know, in my outfit and everything, and just acting like nothing's wrong, and and okay, trying to double check that hi hat. Okay, what's wrong with the uh, um, ride symbol? What what is he saying? And I'm looking at it. <laughs> And I'm on a drum riser, and there's six judges. You know? right, yeah, wow. This is a very tense situation. Right, yeah. And I'm, I'm just trying to figure this drum set out uh, without making it look like... I mean, I can't believe they left that. Uh, right? I mean, I can't believe they... Uh, the clutch was was not the right size. How did, or... how did they let that happen? You know, I mean, that just seems like unbelievable that they that at a big contest like that, they would allow... You know, somebody wouldn't have brought up another hi-hat or had a or second something. right a second yeah, hi-hat something. assembly because yeah. why wouldn't this clutch and it was something to do with the uh, the tightening screw in the at, dark at thing. that place thought, nobody else had a hi-hat well you're not you know what any mean? time <laughs> there was no time to do it yeah, See, that's man, i can't yeah during the set somebody didn't you know I mean, maybe go. he used the clutch that was sitting there and it didn't 
I, I something was anyways, wrong. Yeah, with yeah, it. that's crazy though that you dealt with that. Yeah, and and I had to to you know mentally deal with with that. It's impressive, man. The the song uh, before the the set start, it, it, that wasn't as much of the problem as you know what was wrong with the the uh, ride symbol that Chris was mm. telling me. Uh, the ride symbol had fallen down on the floor tom, so it was sitting like that during their whole set. And uh, fortunately, I got under there and found out it was just a loose oh, yeah. bolt yeah. up here. And so I felt good. Ah, oh, got that. That's at least fixed. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that done. And uh, uh, our first tune was a, an original tune that I wrote mm. and arranged and, and wrote the lyrics. And, uh, and it's a song called Mo Blues, which is kind of a cross between uh, Ellington meets uh, Goodman meets uh, you know, this thing. This thing started out on the floor tom, mm-hmm. okay, with kind of the old uh, sing 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 thing. Mm-hmm. So we're talking. Yeah, and that's all had started out. That that's all you hear, for for one, for one measure. Yeah. And then, the hi hat kicks in. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's crucial to mm-hmm. the. the <laughs> I was. I'm very particular. And, and you're having to deal with this. And and so I'm still down here on the floor. Tom kick, no hi hat. Mm. So it's it's no hi hat. Then measure with the hi hat kick and floor yeah. tom, and then the bass comes in. Right. And so. You know, I didn't, I wasn't thinking of that when we started this thing out. And again, this isn't blues. I mean, this is a jazz tune. Right. It was was like a swing, a swing jazz tune. Yeah, wow. And so I'm I'm doing my thing. And no hi-hat backbeat. So you're supposed to hear that. Yeah. In the background. It was crucial. And the bass player's waiting for it. And, right. Yeah. And then he comes in on time. Though. Yeah. And um, so that was a, a funny, quirky start to our set. Yeah. Wow. And we played a nice set. You know, there's a couple of drum solos in it, and uh, we did okay. Um, uh, got done. We didn't win, mm-hmm. but uh, but uh, Nick Schneblin, um and those guys, Nick even won. Uh, they have a, a separate award for the guitar. Uh, they call it the uh, Albert uh, Albert King Award. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's best blues guitarist that's uh, instrumentalist yeah. guitar. They even have a best blues instrumentalist harp. Yeah, uh, as well. But uh, out know, of that whole contest, that's be that'd be something to win. Oh, it was out, a, out of how many you know how many good guitar yeah. players would be at a festival like that. It was it was quite an honor. Yeah, for, that's cool for Nick. And when they when they called their name and they won that, they were up on stage uh, for quite a while accepting the awards. Yeah. And, and so then finally they get done with that, and the kids get to come down off the stage, and we all walked down to the front of the stage, and, and Nick came off uh, came off the stage and grabbed me, and. Uh, we were walking over to the group of Kansas City constituency right. and all the fans, mm-hmm. and and it was I'll never forget this too. Uh, I felt like, well, you know, I 
I was hugging Nick as a, a fellow friend yeah. and musician and congratulating him. He didn't let go of me, man. It mm. was it was wild. Uh, and I felt like, man, this is your moment. You know, you're, you're, this is your moment, mm-hmm. man. It, you don't want me in the pictures, too, you know. It, right. And it was a, a funny feeling I had because mm-hmm. I, I was so happy for them. But I, I felt like I shouldn't, you know, be, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe he has this weird thing, and and you know it, he kind so of did this. Yeah, yeah. That, that's cool. He I mean, he kind of had that same thing it. on the on the show when you know, and he kind of said, you know, and, and then we ended up winning the thing, and then da, 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 and I'm like, you just said that under your breath just now, you know, like like the way he described it during the interview that we had was really funny, and I kind of called him <laughs> out on it. I'm like, that was really under your breath right now, you know, like and yeah, maybe that maybe <laughs> yeah, and not that he expected to, but it was just like he looked at it. It's just the, the his attitude towards it, and maybe that's kind of mm-hmm. what you're saying. Where we all like to be on stage, but that's like too much. You know, it's like like the you know I I don't yeah. I don't know if I like the I it's like I love being on stage. I don't know about getting off stage, and there's like you know I'm getting like a ridiculous amount of attention. You know, and, and like that's just you know right. I, I don't know about that. That's too much. You know, maybe he was feeling something like that, which is why he was like don't let me go over there, you know, kind of way. It's still holding I, you. I don't know. You know, it's hard to say. I, you know, I, I don't... He was, he was embarrassed, a little bit embarrassed by the attention or something. I don't know. And, and at the time, uh, it, we were, I, you know, we had been gigging the same circuit. Mm-hmm. You know, so we, we were all just family. Yeah, sure. Um, at that time. Not as much anymore. Yeah. You know, things we've grown a little bit further apart. But yeah. uh, uh, those guys have, Blasted off. Yeah, yeah, they're doing great right <laughs> now. Well, I mean, we've gone gone way over time. This has been really fun, man. I, I love talking about this stuff. You had some fun great story. stuff to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. good, um, good. So, uh, we didn't really talk about anything, man. There's so much more. I know, yeah, about. I know. There's so many other things to talk about. It, um, I definitely have uh, have done, I think you're 26, 26 interview, but I'll have all of you guys on again Incredible. at some point, and we'll talk about some more stuff, you know. And, and, okay. Uh, and um, I'm thinking on even maybe starting a playing one where we, we bring in instruments with somebody, you know, and then we have them do a drum pattern or something and then we talk about it and then talk, mm-hmm. play, talk, play, you know, do more of a, an instructional kind of thing, you know, with instruments instead of just talking, you know, so that's another, you know, the, another thing that we could do, you know, have you in sometime and do that too would be kind of interesting. Um, but, uh, but anyway, uh, this has been, uh, Jerry Riccardi and, uh, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming in and talking, man. Oh, you bet. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah, it's always fun to play with you in the band. We we all, uh, the big thing that I think all of us know is uh, musically we we know you're gonna be there. You know, like like when while we're playing, you know, we know you're gonna be there, and we know your parts are always gonna be good, and you're always gonna be listening. You know, so I know I can speak for the band and say you know we enjoy playing with you in the yeah. band. So, um, uh, but there you I go. Successful then mm-hmm. in your yeah. band of mm-hmm. making you guys feel comfortable. Yeah. And, the comfort zone mm-hmm. is, is what I'm looking for. Yeah, well, you do a great <laughs> job at that. Um, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's Casey Music Talk. Um, get out of here. We're going <laughs> to. All right, we'll see you guys get later. And see a band. <laughs>
see live music. Yeah, get out and see live music. I, I like that, man. Get, all of these guys are around Kansas City and, and uh, playing all the time for you. So uh, get out and support them and, they, and uh, show that you love them and that you, you appreciate it. So, all right. Awesome. That's it. See you guys later.